Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Peladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on the sportsstuff.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Three-segment show to talk about once again today. We will lead off with a little bit of Vikings news in the first segment and then jump right into the AFC and NFC Championship games. NFC first for chronological order because, well, you know, might as well just do that one first, right? Uh, second segment, Super Bowl preview. Of course, Super Bowl 51 in Houston in Houston. And then the fan interaction segment will be segment number three, led off by the triumphant return of Dave Martin out of Scotland. Yes, sir. Gold star winner of 2016, 2015. Pardon me. Um, so there you go. He's definitely going to be in the three stars, I got to think, at the end of the year. Yep. <laughs> I have a pretty good idea who's going to be in there. And uh, yeah, look at me announcing stuff. Kind of a, yeah. Well, let's leave things alone. Let's start with the coaching staff changes and such. Of course, Scott Turner, no longer the quarterback's coach. The son of Norv Turner, no longer with the Minnesota Vikings. He's gone, unfortunately. Um, But, I mean, it's just things headed the way they did. Once Norv Turner was gone, you knew Scott Turner would be gone at some point. Pat Shermer will indeed be the permanent offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. I'm hoping for the best there. Didn't like everything. Did like some things. Getting rid of the ball a little quicker. But, of course, some of those short passes a little bit ridiculous. Uh, A little more offensive line production. I think you'll see a little better production out of Sam Bradford and Pat Shermer's uh, offense going into the season. So, hoping for the best there. Uh, Kevin, Kevin Stefanski... The, uh, for the running backs coach of 2016 will be the quarterbacks coach, replacing Mr. <clears throat> Nor, uh, Mr. Scott Turner, not Norb Turner. Kenny Palomalu will be the, and remember that name, Palomalu. Remember Troy Palomalu back at the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers and such? So there he is. This is his uncle. He will be, he has been hired to coach the running backs. And Clancy Baron, Clancy Baron has been hired to coach the tight ends. So, we'll see. A lot of people would like to see Mr. <laughs> Mike Tice return as the offensive line coach replace uh, Mr. Tony Sparanos, but maybe Sparano might uh, have to bring the Mafia on us, so we'll be a little careful on that one. Not sure you want the real Mafia on you. The Purple Mafia is one thing, the real Mafia is another. So, uh, Barone was working with the uh, with uh, Sacramento State offensive line, Texas A&M offensive line, so he's been an offensive line coach in the past. Offensive line again, Eastern Illinois. Wyoming, offensive coordinator, offensive line. Hmm, notice a trend here. Houston, offensive coordinator, offensive line. Texas State, assistant head coach and offensive coordinator. Hmm, so that was Baron, Baron. Yep, he was also with the Denver Broncos for uh, an extended period of time as well. In the San Diego Chargers, Philadelphia Eagles, he keeps going. He was the offensive coordinator with uh, Sam Bradford. Huh, oh no. Um, Yep, he actually worked with... Mr. Uh, uh, Shermer in the past with the Eagles and such and the Rams. So that's kind of cool. So bringing kind of a group of men in that have worked with each other in the past. So that works good. Nice to see uh, Paul Malo. That's kind of cool. He was the tro- uh, the he was fullback for Southern Cal years ago and then eventually became a uh, grad student at UCLA. He then coached the running backs and special teams for San Diego State from 94-96. Running backs at Colorado 97-98. Linebacker San Diego State 99. He returned to Southern Cal for four seasons. Running backs coach in 2000. Special teams in 2001. A combo of groups in 02-03. Palomalo was the Trojans offensive coordinator and running backs coach from 2010-12. to And most recently coached for rival UCLA running backs 2014-15. And his offensive coordinator... In 2016, all kinds of interesting stuff. <laughs> yeah, Barone has actually been in the NFL for 14 seasons. That's pretty crazy. He's been all over the place. But, of course, I talked about all the college offensive line and such back in the 90s and early 2000s. So, yes, uh, yeah, 
interesting stuff there, bringing these men in. Hopefully they will continue to help this offense go in the right direction. You just never know. It's all about the players at the end of the day, as we all like to say very frequently. Let's talk about the A, the NFC Championship game. How about them Packers, huh? Well, I had them in the Super Bowl, and at minimum, the NFC Championship game at the beginning of the season, I had them playing Seattle, and I thought they would beat Seattle in the NFC title game. Seattle didn't make it. Green Bay, maybe. Maybe they would have beaten them. Who knows? I don't know, though. If Seattle got the momentum, they may very well be in the Super Bowl right now. Atlanta, though, they have really uh, turned up the Jets. They are flying high, or fly, <laughs> rise up. That's actually the uh, hashtag on Twitter, rise up for Atlanta, which a lot of you probably already know. I'm one of the I'm one of the late bloomers at that one. They rose up. Um, they really did. They beat up on those Seattle Seahawks last week. Seattle making things look interesting early, and Atlanta just pulled away. This one, see, Green Bay last week kind of goof, kind of made Dallas look silly early, kind of tricked them, kind of almost Bill Belichick style, kind of threw them off with with this and that. Uh, catching them in, in, in mistakes and such. Whereas in this one, this one kind of had a little New York Giants. This one had a little multiple Vikings NFC title games all over it. NFC Giants, and it's not 98 Vikings versus Atlanta, not at all, other than Crosby's miss at the beginning of the game. I suppose that's related very, very, very slightly. And I mean very slightly, like a big stretch, because it was the first scoring attempt of the game. Crosby missing, that was a uh, harbinger for things to come for Green Bay. A little bit of 9 in this one with just the, the, the fumble by Ripskowski. Uh, just a huge, huge mistake. Just a huge bummer. Like, what's the point? Why do you gotta Ripkowski? I almost called him Ripskowski. <laughs> Ripkowski. Just fighting for that extra yard when if he simply would have went down. What's second and 10 on the 8-yard line? I think you're going to be okay. Second and 2, excuse me, on the on like the 8-yard line. Like, just just let it go, man. But he had to go for that extra yard, fumbles the ball away. Again, this one very similar to the 2000, the 2000 Vikings 41 donut. It had that similar feeling to it until Green Bay finally started to score a little bit in that second half. I mean, it reeked of, it really reeked of 41 donut. Um, just the early mistakes set the tone for the rest of the game, and Green Bay basically had nothing going for it. Luckily for them, they got in the end zone a little bit, and they got a couple field goals and all that. Uh, not a couple field goals, they got in the end zone. And had no field goals. They had a couple of, uh, a fail, a failed two point conversion, a made two point conversion. Um, even Matt Bryant missed an extra point in this game. Mess, a mess ultimately there. Uh, Green Bay, though, just shell shocked early. And it, again, set the tone for the game. And the other key to this one is regardless if the, the uh, Packers' offense was in sync, which they were not, regardless if they were in sync or not. Matt Ryan and the Falcons were not going to be stopped in this game. I mean, the backers' defense could do pretty much nothing about it. They couldn't get any turnovers on this team. And the, the attempt that they had, Gabriel just recovered it right away after an odd snap. This would have been a game-changer for Green Bay. Things could have maybe turned. Uh, Atlanta was up 21-0. Could have maybe turned things in the other direction. A big opportunity for the Packers. It was 17-0, pardon me, at the time. I'm getting it mixed up. But uh, a big change of events there. Could have been like, uh, you know, how games change dramatically right there at home. At, at Atlanta, a team that has very little playoff success in their past, uh, other than 98. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Uh, but it was just not not meant to be. I mean, Gabriel just landed right back on it, and that's pretty much what kind of game this was for Green Bay the entire way. Atlanta just took care of business in a huge way. Uh, Julio Jones... Banged up a little bit after a spectacular catch. Went right back in there like nothing's, like there was no problem. I mean, Julio Jones was Julio Jones. And Matt Ryan was Matt Ryan. And people are calling him the MVP of the NFL this year. 
I think it's between the two quarterbacks in the Super Bowl right now. Because um, Aaron Rodgers is not consistent this year. Weak start and then strong finish. So I don't think he's going to get the MVP. Uh, Julio Jones, nine catches, 180 yards, two touchdowns, including a 73-yarder along the way, 73-yard play along the way. Just crazy. Um, Yep, and there was a touchdown in that one. Just a spectacular overall game for the Falcons. It was 31-0, and then I really started thinking about 41-donut because it just reeked of it. Like 31-0, 41-0 sounds pretty similar Green Bay again, luckily enough to actually get in the end zone, but it was all for not. I mean, they were taking too long on their drives. There's really nothing they could do about it because guys weren't catching the ball, this and that. Things were just dragging along, and they're having to settle for short passes because Atlanta's defense also showed up to play. Um, Atlanta's defense just a couple of years ago, not so good, but under Dan Quinn, it's rocking and rolling. They are doing a hell of a job, and uh, Atlanta in the Super Bowl in this one, uh, they really they really earned the right to be there, the way they pounded through Seattle, and they just slaughtered Green Bay. I mean, there isn't a whole lot else to say about it other than Green Bay was shell-shocked early in this one, and it set the tone for the rest of the game. And that's how big games like this one and, of course, the next one end up. If you make key mistakes early, again, like missed kicks and then that fumble by Rupkowski, which could have changed the entire game if the Packers got in the end zone there, the whole game would have been different. But when things go that way... It's just you get this vibe like we can't do anything right and the other team gets so excited and they get a little bit almost almost cocky in a way and they just roll right over you. And that's basically what happened here. Similar to the New York Giants game in a sense when the Vikings fumbled the first two kickoffs of the game and it was 14 nothing. Now it wasn't that bad in this one, but you get the idea. It set the tone for the rest of the game. 14 nothing is not an insurmountable deficit, but it became... That, very much so, because the Vikings' confidence level was zero. And the Packers, same thing going into this one. Uh, Rodgers very upset with the referees time and time again with bah, face mask possibilities, a blow to the head, this and that, thing and thing after thing. Uh, pass interference, time and again, calls not going Green Bay's way as they like to get upset when things don't go their way, but I suppose any of us do. <laughs> uh, it just was not Green Bay's day. Uh, it's amazing to think that Aaron Rodgers won up with three touchdowns in the game, but again, a key interception along the way. Not a very good pass, just trying too hard. Um, there was another interception that was taken that was uh, taken away from Atlanta because it actually hit the ground. So, so <laughs> that one did not count. Of course, it hit the ground first. Could have been more than that, I suppose. But uh, Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers having to gamble a bit, and that's why some more mistakes took place when you're down by that many points on the road in, in a big game like that in the Georgia Dome. Just wasn't meant to be for the Packers. Atlanta, NFC champions for 2016. So now we'll move on to the Pittsburgh-New England game. Again, another game that ended up being fairly lopsided. Uh, You didn't think it would be this... uh, You didn't think... You know, it it, it looked close early on with the way it started. But at the same time, that strong drive by Brady at the beginning... The fact that it ended up with only a field goal still, you figured, you know what? The way he carved through that Pittsburgh defense, there's a pretty good chance the Patriots are going to win the game. And the Pittsburgh offense could do a whole lot of nothing. They'd get maybe one first down, and that was it. And then Le'Veon Bell, who I called him Levon Bell, it's Le'Veon Bell, <laughs> injured early with a groin. I thought it was an ankle. They were calling it an ankle. It ended up being a groin injury, and that didn't help. But D'Angelo Williams, still a pretty damn good running back. Though, uh, though very aged in his days from uh, Carolina. So that's the one thing there. That did not help Pittsburgh's cause in this game. But, of course, Ben Roethlisberger's had a all ton of success over his career. 
Um, early on, he was very accurate, and then he started missing on passes that he normally would complete. They're just off to the side. You know, not good throws by Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, they would have gotten the Pittsburgh Steelers in the end zone. In other cases, they wound up with uh, having to kick a field goal because of that. He also threw an interception later in the game, which pretty much wrapped things up for the Steelers. A fumble along the way did not help either for Pittsburgh. By Eli Rogers. Eli Rogers, another Rogers, right? <laughs> the uh, Pittsburgh receiver along the way, losing the ball for Pittsburgh. Just a, a bummer o- overall performance for the Pittsburgh Steelers and New England. Just doing what they did all year, playing tight, solid defense. And Tom Brady being as accurate as all heck. And way better game for the, than, than, the, than that Houston game after a really rough start. I think the Patriots' chances of winning the Super Bowl are extremely good, despite the fact that Atlanta looks almost unstoppable right now. That's the, that's the thing. It's going to be a hell of a Super Bowl coming up. Um, Pittsburgh, uh, not a whole lot of good to say about them in this game. They just were overmatched the entire way. And luckily for Tom Brady, this pretty much history has been on his side in this situation. He's beaten Pittsburgh multiple times in the playoffs. This is the third time, actually, believe it or not in the NFC title game, including this very first one way back in the day over Cordero, uh, Cordell Stewart, pardon me, as he threw multiple interceptions in that game. And, of course, actually Brady did not play in that game. I remember he hurt his ankle very early, and Drew Bledsoe helped the cause along the way in a very quiet uh, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Stadium there. <laughs> uh, they were very quiet as Cord- Cordell Stewart continued to throw interceptions against a strong, solid Bel- Belichick defense that knows when and where to be. And uh, boy, what an overall dominating game for the Patriots. Very encouraging for them, again, after a very struggling type performance against the Houston Texans a week before. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt, one of those great goal line threats, stopped on occasion, but overall had his way when he needed to in this game for the Patriots. Didn't have to, didn't really have to run very much. You thought they would want to run more often to burn the clock, but it's just, they just had Brady throwing time and time again anyway, because it was working. Almost, I mean, 76%. Completion percentage, three touchdown passes, 127.5. If he plays like that in the Super Bowl, they should have it done, (laughs) without a doubt. Patriots not missing uh, Gronkowski as much as you thought they would. Um, Unfortunately, you did not see the new acquisition. Uh, Michael Floyd make one reception in this game, so that's still kind of out there. Martellus Bennett's solid in the game. Chris Hogan was spectacular. He dropped a pass that would have been even, it would have made, give, given him over 200 yards at the end of the day. He would have, It would have been another 30-yard-plus reception, maybe even a touchdown. Chris Hogan, just huge. The, the two white receivers, Chris Hogan and Julian Edelman, just dominant throughout the game, helping Tom Brady be as great as he is. And even Danny Amendola, a little bit solid here and there, but not, not used as often in the game. Um, but Chris Hogan and Edelman, again, they play like this in the Super Bowl. They're ready to go, and Edelman's been there and done that. The Patriots should be in good shape as they head into that one. So we'll be talking about that very, very shortly. Um, again, not a whole not a whole lot to say because neither of these games were particularly close. You could kind of tell fairly early who was going to win the game. Uh, Roethlisberger just, you know, Good, good early, and then just he started to kind of lose it. And I'm, I'm glad we're not hearing about deflated footballs. We can finally move on from that as the Patriots look to get revenge on the NFL for the four-game uh, suspension. And here they are in the Super Bowl despite losing Brady for four games. Man, <laughs> I would have liked to see Garoppolo out there a little bit earlier. But Brady, it, he looks younger than he did at the last Super Bowl. That's the amazing part. He's more mobile than he was last time the Patriots were in the Super Bowl. That's what's crazy and strange. 
And you look at this. Um, I should probably save this for the next segment, though. I'm getting ahead of myself. But, yeah, uh, the, comparing him to Peyton Manning last year going in. We'll talk about that then. Um, save the momentum for that moment. But uh, also, it didn't help that Boswell, who was awesome last game, making all those field goals, missed the extra point when Pittsburgh did get in the end zone early in that second quarter. That was the point in time when you thought the Steelers still had a very strong chance to win the game because Roethlisberger was solid on that drive. But then Brady led his team right down the field just four minutes later into the end zone again for Chris Hogan. Just a big, big play along the way there, helping the Patriots take a strong lead and ultimately 17-9 to in the half after Boswell did make a 23-yard field goal. The Steelers just could not get in the end zone. Missed classes that were very key in that play, in, in that drive, and that was the end of it. So we'll shut this down. We're going to preview the Super Bowl right after this. Here on Purple Mafia, second segment, Super Bowl 51 in Houston. Preview now. Atlanta, New England, New England, Atlanta, Matt Ryan, and Tom Brady. MVP versus MVP, Super Bowl legend versus Super Bowl rookie. That's right. (laughs) That is right. Matt Ryan getting to the Super Bowl for the first time in his career. First time in his career winning two playoff games in the the, the postseason. In fact, uh, this is only his third playoff win ever. Matt Ryan, not the playoff guy that Tom Brady is. That's for damn sure. Uh, Patriots officially, as a franchise, have now made their record ninth Super Bowl in history. Incredible. Um, nine Super Bowls. Even more than the Steelers, who are at eight. They've been to, they've won six Super Bowls. They've lost two. One to the Dallas Cowboys, one to the Packers. <clears throat> the Packers. Yeah, they beat the Packers, beat them a couple of years ago. Remember that with Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Eight Super Bowl appearances for them. But now the Patriots go to their ninth. Because, uh, well, back in the 85 Super Bowl. The Patriots got crushed. I don't even remember who the quarterback was for that game. I should look that up shortly here. But also the uh, uh, <clears throat> the uh, 96 Super Bowl, Drew Bledsoe leading the way with Pete Carroll. That's No, no, not Pete Carroll. With Bill Parcells as the head coach. Pete Carroll was defensive coordinator of that club at the time. That was a good team, good coaching, but they just were not good enough ultimately at the end of the day. It just kind of is what it is there when you think about it. Um, and then, of course, you have the uh, <laughs> you have the Tom Brady years. Of course, St. Louis Rams. They beat the Rams in 01, the after the 01 season anyway. And then the 02 Patriots did not get to the Super Bowl. The 03 ones did. They beat the Carolina Panthers. The next time, 04, they beat the Patriots, beat the Philadelphia Eagles for their third Super Bowl championship in franchise history and their fifth appearance in the Super Bowl. Three Super Bowls, 3-0 and for Tom Brady and Bill Belichick at that point. Three Super Bowl appearances, and then you had 07, perfect season after all the talking about how they cheated against the Rams and all that. The St. Louis Rams who are now back to L.A. All that good stuff. Um, <laughs> I don't even want to get into that anymore. But, you know, it was like the whole revenge angle, blah, blah, blah. 16-0 season, Randy Moss shows up. Wow, what a team. What an awesome team. They come oh so close. They take the lead with three minutes left. And I'm thinking, 
you know, that's way too much time left. And the Giants and Eli Manning took advantage of that and took it away from him at the end. And that was the end of that, unfortunately. And then they would not get back to the Super Bowl till 2011. But guess who was waiting for him then? Oh, that's right. The freaking Giants again. And what happened? The Giants won again. <laughs> and it was even closer. And you had a murderer and Aaron Hernandez drop pass after pass, Rob, because he was thinking about, you know, the murders. He was probably thinking about it. He was probably, it probably was on his mind somewhere because the murders were pretty fresh at that point in time. God forbid. And then you had Gronkowski, who was just... Could not stay freaking healthy. Was more interested in partying and this and that. And what happened there? Well, that was the end of them. They lost. That's right. They lost. They lost again. Gronkowski couldn't bring in a pass. If he was a little healthier, he might have brought in the Hail Mary from Tom Brady. He would have done a little Aaron Rodgers imitation. And unfortunately, things just kind of went the way they did. And it was uh, very disappointing. Very disappointing indeed. Boy, the Patriots in the, back in the, the Super Bowl twenty. Lost 46-10. to 10. It was just a blowout. And I remember, of course, the, uh, <laughs> the Patriots finally scoring a touchdown in the fourth quarter there. Fairly late in the, in the well, fairly late in the game. 46-10. to 10. Mm, Not good at all. Uh, Fryer from Grogan. From Grogan. Grogan was the kicker, the quarterback way back in those days for the Patriots. A very, very, uh, just, you know, it was a good enough team to get to the Super Bowl, and that was back in the days when Super Bowls often had a, a team that didn't belong there and a team that did belong there. Of course, you could have said that Denver and Seattle also, but Denver was better than that. They just fell apart at the end. <laughs> but no, Patriots went to their fourth Super Bowl, lost, went to their fifth Super Bowl, fifth Super Bowl under Belichick and Brady. That was their sixth and seventh Super Bowl appearance, which is insane. And then in 14, they get back finally again after a lot of near misses in those AFC Championship games, losing by a narrow margin to the Baltimore Ravens in 2012, losing to the Broncos fairly disappointingly on a sunny day in Denver. When you saw that sun, I'm like, oh boy, Patriots are in trouble. And then 2014, they romp all over the Indianapolis Colts. You finally get back to their, finally get to their eighth Super Bowl and fi- and uh, sixth as a as a duo, Brady and Belichick, insane there. And then they get the job done. Finally, win number four. And now here we are, 2016, ninth Super Bowl appearance as a franchise and seventh Super Bowl appearance record all time for quarterback and coach. It was a record with six, believe it or not. <laughs> well, uh, of course it was. I would think it would be a record with five, and and it was. Insane, though. Um, uh, other coaches have been to the Super Bowl six times, actually. But Bill Belichick officially number one all-time. And it's just absolutely insane defeating the, uh, passing the Pittsburgh coach years ago. And now here they come. Here come the... It's just unbelievable when you think about it. Here, here, here come the New England Patriots. Nine Super Bowl appearances, seven for Brady and Belichick. And yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to do a love fest for them, even though they are my second favorite team, and they've been so for many years since the late '90s because that's when I became a Minnesota and Boston fan. I was all Minnesota before, and then I'd always kind of liked teams like Cincinnati Reds, San Francisco 49ers, teams like that. And then you know what? I just adopt, I, I just adopted Boston as my second city, so to speak, for fandom. The Celtics, the Bruins, the Red Sox, the and, of course, the New England Patriots. Um, I, I never liked Drew Bledsoe. And then this young guy named Tom Brady came in, and they had some. They, had, they went from 0-2 to 11-5 and and had a miracle little run. And it was like, wow, this is pretty cool. And I was so excited when they beat those, the dirty, uh, the dirty rotten Rams. Okay, they weren't really dirty rotten, but they, <laughs> they were kind of cocky, and it was cool. Um, it was awesome. Mm, the most, <laughs> I, for, I forgot what the nickname was. The greatest show on turf, and I forget what the other word is, where they were like the 
most arrogant show on turf or something like that. And they pretty much were at the time. Here we go. Atlanta, New England. Where do we go here? Um, it's like, you know, like you always want to say this is either going to be really close or a blowout. And it all depends on, I, I could never see the Patriots getting blown out in the Super Bowl. Uh, the Patriots have never, well, they, they got, you know, and obviously way back in the old days, 85 and 96, totally different, completely different everything. They got beat pretty handily by Green Bay and and uh, Chicago, both NFC North teams slash NFC Central back in the old days. Um, that was a long time ago, obviously. <laughs> so this group has always been in a close game. They didn't blow out the Rams. They didn't blow out Carolina. They didn't blow out Philadelphia. And they did not blow out Seattle. They did not get blown out by the Giants either time. They were both very close games. Patriots very clutch most of the time along the way. A team that had a great season and had to really work for it at the end because the other team was on fire and having a good run. Good for them, I suppose, right? (laughs) This one, I think, won't be any different. I think this will be a high-scoring game, kind of like the Seattle one. Very high scoring. It'll be more similar to those because the others were quite low scoring, I'd have to say, considering the circumstances. Um, the Philadelphia game, low scoring. The Giants game, insanely low scoring. 17-14 to 14 on an offense. If they could have just caught a couple freaking passes for Brady in 2011, they would have won the game. But they didn't. Um, whereas Seattle was just that miracle magic wand thing, kept themselves in that game the whole time, despite how great Brady was in that one. And, you know, they carved up a Seattle defense that was basically unbeatable with the short passing. Atlanta and New England, you're going to see a little a bit of excitement in this one. You're going to see fire, fireworks all over the place. The key to New England winning this game is going to be getting the turnovers on Matt Ryan. That's something Green Bay could not get done. And Green Bay is a home run defense, a strikeout or home run. And they struck out against the Atlanta Falcons in a big way. I mean, it was strike two, strike it was strike one, strike two, strike three, just like that. New England is definitely going to be looking for turnovers with Atlanta, without a doubt. That is going to be the biggest key to win the game. And, of course, you think that's common sense. Yes, it is. But at the same time, that is the absolute key in the Super Bowl more than any other game. Any other game. You can get away with turnovers in regular season games, but in big games like this, the, the emotions are high. The nerves are jittery. The flash bulbs are brighter than anything you've ever seen in your life. The halftime, sh- yeah, we'll be switching the channel for that. I no, sorry, I'll be switching the channel. If you want to watch it, you go ahead. But uh, <laughs> thank God for channel changers, or or I'll just turn the whole damn thing off. To <laughs> whatever it is for a for a few minutes, fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, however long the infernal nonsense will will last. <clears throat> I refuse. <laughs> I ain't watching. No, Katy Perry. In the past, no Beyonce and, and no Lady Guy. Uh-uh, no thanks. <laughs> so, but the key to this one is, again, Belichick getting the turnovers. Belichick got the turnovers against Seattle. They did not get the turnovers of Eli Manning. He was just beyond clutch, and they just could not complete passes they needed to complete in those games. And and Tom Brady, the pass rush, was just relentless in the 2007 game. Just the look in his eyes was a, that of shock. Um, it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be key here. I mean, Atlanta's defense is good, but they're not that good. I mean, they gave up 30, 32 points to the Packers during the season. This team is beatable. They give up points, but the fact is they score points. They're a historically good offense. They're up there with the 98, almost of the 98 Vikings. This is this is basically their 98 team, even though their 98 team was great. They had a 14-2 record. This team has a better chance to win the Super Bowl, I think. And if they had... Because they got just romped by that uh, Denver team. Denver was going to win that Super Bowl. There was no doubt. I think they would have beaten the 98 Vikings. 
God forbid, uh, blasphemous to say on Purple Mafia, but the way they were going, I think they probably would have. And plus the injuries to the Vikings team during the course of that NFC title game did not help, and even the Arizona game the week before, back in good old 98. The key injuries to John Randall, the hyperextended knee, and the, and, and, and it was it uh, Bobby Houston, the, the uh, linebacker, was going to be out for the season. You never saw him again. He was a valuable like, linebacker that the Vikings needed. That was not good. I think Denver's offense would have ran over the Vikings. The Vikings might have kept it interesting, but they wouldn't have, probably wouldn't have won the game. Mm. Atlanta absolutely did not win that game. This team is much better than the last time around. Uh, they got heartbroken by the 49ers last time. A call that probably should have been made, a pass interference call on the final play of the game that helped cost the Atlanta Falcons a chance to go to the Super Bowl against the Baltimore Ravens, which I don't think they would have won. I think the, the I think everything was on the Ravens' side that year. Whoever made it in the NFC was going to lose to Baltimore that year, even though Baltimore had by far the inferior record of any of those teams. I mean, that was a great Atlanta team, but they would not have beaten Baltimore. I think, unfortunately for Atlanta, though, you're playing a dynasty. You're playing royalty, NFL royalty. There is no doubt about it that <laughs> the Patriots should win the game. Um, they are a team on a mission, 14-2. and two. They've been phenomenal all, all season. And I, I just don't see Brady who's looking about 10 years younger than Eli Manning did last year. That's the huge key here, too. If Brady was like a, like a Eli, was, was like a Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning, I hope I didn't say Eli, it was like Peyton Manning last year, Falcons would roll over this team. But Brady, at the same age, 39, like the oldest quarterbacks to, to win a Super Bowl, potentially. Favre could have been a 40-year-old, and he would have been. He would have beat the Colts. I'm convinced of that back in 09, but we'll move on. Um, Peyton Manning looks about 10 years younger. Oh my God, Tom Brady looks about 10 years younger than Peyton Manning last year. But that defense was so good. And Carolina, despite having the MVP and, and a good defense as well, was shell-shocked early and often by that club. I think the Patriots will cause issues for Atlanta early on. Possibly uh, just simply knocking down passes and then Brady going to work. Or getting an interception very early or a forced fumble very early with his Atlanta club. And that will be the key to the Patriots possibly taking this one away. Maybe it'll end up being much later. I, I envision a very high-scoring game, though. I, I, I really do. Uh, <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think there's any doubt that's the way we're headed with this one. Uh, the Super Bowl with uh, the, the uh, Seahawks not too long ago, obviously, just two years ago, extremely high-scoring, and the Patriots getting the huge turnover late. And it may lead to something like that in the Atlanta game. In the Super Bowl, I should say Atlanta game, <laughs> possibly. Um, it's just, it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see how things turn out with that one. Seattle and New England. It was actually kind of low scoring, 28-24, but it felt higher scoring than it was. Patriots, though, I think it's going to be out of the likes of, I, I, I almost was going to go with 38-35. It's probably going to be more like 31-28. New England, I think, is going to win the game with a key turnover late in the game and possibly setting the tone early. Both teams are going to put points on the board and you're, both teams are going to be very confident for most of this game, that, they, that they're going to win. Both teams are going to feel extremely confident that they're going to win this game. You're going to see great plays both uh, by both teams. I might go with 35 to 31 or something like that. It's going to be a high-scoring one, but I do think the Patriots etch this one out oh so slightly. Uh, Edelman. <clears throat> Edelman and Hogan, obviously massive keys, and you hope to get LeGarrette Blunch on that goal line and, and into the end zone. Atlanta's got a, uh, <clears throat> they've got a nice attack with Coleman and Freeman. As running backs, they didn't have to do too much in the Packer game. You'd think that they were going to run the ball more, but it seems like New England and Atlanta of like mind, though, 
<clears throat> for the most part uh, in in these games, they they just continued to pass the ball rather than <laughs> rather than run it. Just wanted to make sure that Aaron Rodgers and Co. were unable to make a comeback. They were just trying to get in the end zone, regardless, rather than just run the ball and run the clock down and give Green Bay the ball back. Uh, Freeman and Coleman not very good in the Packer game, by the way. Less than three yards a carry. They're going to have to do better than that, or Patriots are going to roll all over them. I would think. I would hope anyway. Uh, but then again, if Matt Ryan is anywhere near as, <laughs> as successful as he was against Green Bay, they got problems. Green Bay's passing defense, though, is nowhere near New England's. Nowhere near. And that, again, will be the key. Matt Ryan is not going to put up numbers like this. And I think Tom Brady is going to get the job done. I think Patriots win. Again, we'll go with a... Yeah, we're going to go with 31-28. 31-28, the Patriots defeat the Atlanta Falcons. They'll get in the end zone four times. And the Patriots will win it by a field goal at the end of the day. Uh, maybe it'll be a touchdown. They'll be trailing by a little bit late in the game, and they'll win, and then they'll force a turnover via Atlanta, and that's going to be the key here. I think they're going to be just a little bit better. The pass defense of the New England Patriots will be a big key to slowing down Matt Ryan. Um, the run defense is going to, you know, they're going to have their work cut out for him for the most part, but they survived Le'Veon Bell. Of course, the poor guy got hurt. That didn't help. And I don't think they injured him intentionally. Uh, Devonta Freeman, a good running back, of course. And, of course, Tevin Coleman, decent as well for Atlanta. But I don't think they're going to be quite enough. They're going to make things extremely, extremely interesting. And I mean all the way down to the, the final minutes of the fourth quarter. But I think Brady's clutchness will be will, will win the day in the end. And, again, his ability, his, just, his youth. It looks like he could play five more years, which is unbelievable for a 39-year-old. I mean, have you ever seen a 39-year-old move around the way he does? And especially being the guy he hasn't been in his career, mobile. He actually looks kind of mobile now. It's crazy. Whatever he does with this diet, and it's well known, it is just... (laughs) He's like a superhuman out there, and uh, you got to admire it. You don't have to like the Patriots or Tom Brady, but you got to admire what they've been able to accomplish. And it is amazing. They will win their fifth Super Bowl... Will will Brady retire? Will Belichick retire? I don't know. Uh, I don't think they want to. I think they can (laughs) because they'll be almost impossible to beat career-wise. Who's going to win five Super Bowls? Like how many quarterbacks right now are going to win five Super Bowls? I don't see it. I don't see Russell Wilson doing it. No, I don't see Andrew Luck doing it. <laughs> I don't see I don't see Bridgewater or Bradford doing it. I wish they would. Wouldn't that be awesome? Oh, but even two or three would be freaking great. Oh, one would be a nice way, place to start, of course, because it always is. Oh, man. Mm. It's it's going to be a fun game. It's going to be it's going to be great. And I I can't wait for it. It's a shame that it's 2 weeks to go. It really is. Um and I will not be recording Purple Mafia next week. Because, obviously, there's no football. The Pro Bowl will be okay to watch. I forgot to mention the Pro Bowlers for the Vikings, which is uh, quite a shame indeed. <laughs> you got uh, Xavier Rhodes, Harrison Smith, Everson Griffin. You know, And then you add Anthony Barr, Linval, Joseph along the way there. And, of course, Cordero Patterson, the last one. Uh, for special teams purposes, of course, we'll be going to yet another Pro Bowl as a special teamer. We'll talk about him at some point later on with his uh, free agency and such. So let's wrap things up. Here comes Dave Martin out of Northern Scotland and the rest of you.
Hey, greetings, Jerry. Well, the uh, divisional games are done and dusted, and the last two were worth actually staying up for. Although, admittedly, I didn't watch the Kansas game till the pr- next day because uh, there was no way I was going to stay up till sort of 5 a.m. on a Monday morning to uh, to savour that one. But I got a feel for those Chiefs fans. That that loss was so Viking esque in what happened. The two point conversion and then that penalty, that sickening penalty. That's just what would have probably happened to us in a playoff game this season. And a great shame for Andy Reid. I think he was going into that match was 11-11 in the postseason. Oh, what a pity. I kind of hoped that Kansas would go all the way. It would have been nice to see one of the uh, the outside teams come through. Um, but hey, there you go. I don't give the Steelers much chance against New England the way they played yesterday. So I think New England definitely is shooing on that side. On the uh, NFC side... I was kind of happy to see Green Bay beat Dallas. I get a bit sick of all the uh, the love that Dallas seemed to get, especially from the media. So it was very nice to see that team lose heartbreakingly. <laughs> okay, evil laugh over. Um, but, um, you know, i got to hope that Matt Ryan pulls his finger out, plays out of his skin, and really daggers the Packers this weekend. Anyway, on to more important things... Um, Vikings off-season. Now, um, I just listened to the podcast and somebody else sort of said the same sort of thing that I was thinking. Oakland obviously released their OC, Bill Musgrave, and the rest of that uh, that department. So Mike Tice, I believe, is still available. Um, now, I kind of thought about this for a while, and then you start looking at what Tice has actually achieved in Oakland. You know, he brought Goldberg in. He's, he's um, also brought Donald Penman from Tampa Bay. And he's resurrected the guy's career. He's turned him into one of the best left tackles in the league. He's taken the undrafted talent and turned that into a very effective unit. I, I believe uh, Carr is the least sacked QB in, in the AFC. Simple fact is, um, Mike is an elite coach at that position. And boy, do we need somebody. Here's, a, here's one for you. Who was the... 2013-2014 Oakland O-line coach Tick-tock, tick-tock, bing Yep, you guessed it Yes, it was indeed Our man Tony Sperano So, hopefully, and I mean hopefully Shermer will take a serious look At what he's done In the last year and go Hmm, I need to change it And I mean, I don't know about you, but um, certainly I I never felt Tice had the opportunity in Minnesota. Uh, He was coaching under Red. Do I need to say more? A guy that would not spend a penny on this team if he didn't have to. And he didn't get the opportunity when the Wilfs took over. And they brought in Childress, who in my opinion was so overrated, he'd actually hung on to the coattails of Andy Reid for many years. And that was proved completely and utterly with the Vikings. So, Joey, on to the important business, i.e. off-season, and what are the key priorities for this team to move forward? You know, surely it's got to be a make-or-break year for Slick Rick Spielman. He has to nail it this year, whether it be free agent pickups or through the draft. The O-line has to be fixed. We need an O-line that can generate a rush and put us back into the top half of the league in rushing yardage. Um, That then clearly for Bradford would open up the game completely. And that is so vital. Um, Looking at other aspects of the team, Treadwell. 
he seems to be on the same trajectory as Patterson, which is going probably nowhere. I did hear an interview sometime late last year where he said that he couldn't believe how difficult and how much hard work it was in the NFL. So, is that a character issue? If so, nice pick, Rick. Not. As to the defence, I kind of hope Chad Greenway comes back, purely from a numbers game, because the two guys in front of him have had issues staying fit. So clearly, I think as a, a veteran, he's a perfect choice to keep him on the team for another season at least. At the cornerback position, the captain and Newman are both free agents. I think they're both unrestricted. I'd like to see, well, the captain back and possibly Newman. Again, another valuable veteran that we could utilise. Right, I think i better clear off and look forward to the next podcast. You take care, my friend. And uh, let's hope for a New England Super Bowl. And that was Mad Martin's Mad Takes. Yep, i got to get a soundbite for that and everything. I didn't even say that at the end of the last segment. I apologize, but Mad Martin's Mad Takes. We'll go, I'll, be, I'll be a little better about that in the future. <laughs> I've still got to get used to that. But uh, yeah, man, that's a... I love it. Very cool. Uh, Dallas losing up. I, you know, I was kind of thinking the same thing. Way, way too much love for him. Uh, for for them, excuse me. Drove me crazy the whole year. I was like, okay, whatever. Rookie quarterback. He's not that great, is he? I mean, he's good, but he's not. He's not like Tom Brady good. He's just not. I'm sorry. All that. Um, Atlanta did put the whooping on, like you said. All that. And I'm hoping for a New England Super Bowl uh, victory as well. They're definitely in it. Um, yeah. Uh, Kansas City, that was definitely a heartbreaker. Very close type of bitter defeat as you just come home with that one thinking, man, oh man, I can't even imagine how the Chiefs felt with that one. A pretty boring football game too, I might add. Uh, Tony Sperano though, yes. His, you know, I thought he was better, but apparently not. Um, and I love how he's put that together. TikTok, TikTok, if that's why it's Mad Martin's Mad Takes. I mean, you, you got it. You know, you're more than welcome to be on this show all the time with that. Uh, as long as you're able to call in, like you're not busy or whatever, you know, in, anything. You know, sometimes sometimes people can't make it for the week, you know, for whatever reason. So, man, spectacular call. <laughs> Always spectacular. Gotta love it. Um, Sperano, though, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm totally for Mike Tice. The uh, His sample size in the NFL as the offensive line coach, it's, it's a mixed bag. He's had some success, but with Oakland, yeah, I mean, not so much. I remember how he had to be the head coach for a little while and, oh, you know, let's bury everything in the hole, all that. Uh, yeah, um, I would like to bring Mike Tice back as offensive line coach. Uh, during basically the best days in my lifetime for the Vikings offensive line. I mean, okay, yeah, during the 80s they were good too, but the late 90s especially with Mike Tice, in the mid to late 90s, it was like the best offensive line in the NFL. It was so spectacular. And he even got, he even got run out of Bryant McKinney once Tice was gone. That was it, you know, I mean, because, of course, Tice was the head coach, but still his influence was on that offensive line back in those days, and McKinney did uh, played fairly well under Mike Tice. Once Childress got here, not so much. And, of course, Childress, like you said, perfect analogy there, how he basically rode the coattails of Andy Reid. Not really a head coach in this league. You've heard from sources in the, uh, you've heard some sources like radio hosts in this town that say that Childress deserves a head coaching chance again. I don't know. Um, he, I thought he did a good job in 2009, and it was not the Vikings' fault that he lost that that we lost that game. It was not his fault that the Vikings lost that game. Uh, it was a heartbreaker the way things turned there. So, oh boy! Before I step on my my own toes anymore, the way I was <laughs> bouncing on myself there. Pardon me for that. Uh, Mad Martin 
gets to Twitter now. He says, not listened yet, just yet, just watching the last game. Anyway, hope top priority of the season. Number one, go get Mike Tice. He's still not signed with anybody. Said, oh, uh, he's still not signed with Oakland yet. He's turned that O-line into one of the best O-line. Uh, he's, he's a genius who, uh, an O-line genius who would take over from Oakland, you know, and uh, look what he did. Yeah, it's just amazing what he's done. He says, that that's right, our man Tony, and he was shit there too. <laughs> That'll be the first signing he'll think. I will send in audio soon. Um, saying, what, what were we talking about there? Ah, I, I don't know why it's not showing the conversation. Okay. Uh, he says, State of the Vikings is on my mind. At least we have the quarterback sorted. Yes, we do. He says, congratulations on the 600 podcast. That's true effort and love of sport. Love your passion, my friend. And I love yours as well. Thank you very much. I love the passion you bring to the to the show. Tenney Brown liking that one. Thank you very much. And... A couple more coming up. Very few here. It says, uh, at least we had points on the board by this time. And that was the, <laughs> with the Vikings and Packers at the time. Yep. Um, I was saying how the the Packers are starting to look like the 2009 Vikings. Yep, with all the fumbles and such. And yeah, the Vikings very much had points on the board. It was kind of a mix of 2009 and 2000, I thought. The fumbles and the mistakes, like 09, and then the blowout side of things, like the 20, like 2000, which is the Giants. Uh, Tanae Brown saying, I couldn't be a bigger fan of Atlanta today, but this is going to be a one-day thing because, yep, go Patriots after that. Yes, sir, without a doubt. So that was the Twitter account, at Purple Mafia Show, at Purple Mafia Show, which I so rudely didn't even mention. Losing my mind. Losing my mind here. I don't know if it's too much coffee or not enough. <laughs> Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. And then I also encourage you to join MN Vikings Haven. MN Vikings Haven, which is also on Facebook. Go there and give a like to that page as well. But please do join the Purple Mafia Show page. All the information will be on the show description. I'm going to mention the call-in lines now. Might as well. There's the call-in line, 209-736-7877. 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention which show you're calling into, which is Purple Mafia. Statement, shout-out, comment, question. Keep it for a minute to three. Uh, Mad Martin's Mad Takes has a little more of a green light at this point. Uh, because, yeah, he's part of the show, basically, when you think about it. He, he really is. I mean, Mad Martin's Mad Takes. It's a it's a nice little segment about a, about a you know three to five minute type of segment each uh, each show if, if 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 we can do that particularly during the regular season but also though yeah during State of the Vikings that's coming up at the you know end of February early March kind of free agency draft type of show you know kind of look at the MVP and all that we'll talk about that in the future too but uh, you know the MVP of the team the biggest disappointment biggest surprise those are the themes of State of the Vikings all the good stuff it is a Vikings 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 show. So right now, these are postseason shows with Viking news sprinkled in when it does take place. Because Vikings news is pretty quiet right now. We're not looking for a new head coach and all that. But, yeah, we brought in, I mean, there's always going to be some coaching changes each and every single season. So all this information will be in the show description, including the email. If you do send an audio submission like uh, Mad Martin does, Dave Martin, it's... uh, Use your audio, use a free recorder on your audio device of any kind and send it in, your smart device. Email it to paladinolive at yahoo.com, paladinolive at yahoo.com. There you go. And, of course, there's the call now button on the Facebook page, which simply connects you via Facebook Messenger to the same phone line, uh, the, the TSS line. So there you go. Let's continue off with the last show, episode 237, which was indeed the 600th total show of my podcasting career with Paladino Live, Purple Mafia.
Timberwolves Explosion, Brave the Wild, and Showtime and T-Wolves that I've done over the course of many years now. The big three so far pretty much are Purple Mafia, Timberwolves Explosion, and Brave the Wild. Hopefully get Showtime and T-Wolves back up and running again. That would be great. <laughs> Me and uh, Vince Germano out of Australia. A Timberwolves and Lakers show. Awesome show. Vince Germano often listens to this one as well. Uh, he's a Cleveland Browns fan and, of course, from Melbourne, Australia. Gerald Sring, who happens to be from Nebraska, saying congrats, and he was the 2000. 14 Gold Star winner of the year. Yes, sir. Uh, congrats on number 600. Got to listen on my drive to Icy Lincoln, Nebraska. White Knuckles and a Little Purple Mafia. Great show. I've been listening in since you had the original Hard Rock intro. Still my favorite. And that was Green Day. The da 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 yeah, well, uh, I believe that's Welcome to Paradise. Yep, that song. <laughs> yep, man, I haven't played that in forever. That was at the very beginning. Yeah, I just didn't follow on Facebook until recent years, mainly because I wasn't on Facebook. I remember downloading your shows to my old iPod Mini. The kids got me. The, the kids got him for Christmas one year. Didn't have a smartphone or iPad back in those days. Anyhow, enough rambling. Looking forward to 700. Thanks for all the hard work and keep the show going. No idea how you get it all done. You rock, Joey. Thank you very much. And uh, it's my pleasure to do it. Um, sometimes time can be a constraint, and that's why occasionally things get a little funny. I'll record at weird times. Sometimes I'll be whispering, right, if my wife is sleeping, because it's the only time to record, particularly during the lawn cleanup season. But right now I can record in mornings because the lawns are out. So I prefer to record at nights, believe it or not. But yeah, I don't know. I, I prefer to, but it's just my wife is sleeping then because she works really early in the morning with the airport. But uh, Gerald, apparently you're one of the the old Hall of Fame listeners, man. And you know what? You're a Hall of Fame anyway. I could, you know, absolutely. Uh, from the, this, the uh, relationship we've built on here. Just love the guy. Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, um Man, and, and his second favorite team is the Don. He calls them the Donkeys. Yep, Denver Broncos. Um, you're like Tony Coleman all the way back to like 2008, 2009. My goodness, man, that's back in the good old days. Back when the audio stunk because I didn't even have like a, I didn't even have like a uh, like a real microphone back then. I just used one of those cute little plug-in ones, you know, that you put around your head. You know, it's like a headset microphone. The audio sucked the first year of this show, and I still apologize for that. To be honest, I bet people hated that. See, I mean, I mean, I got the M Audio producer USB in 2009, and it was like night and day. The numbers just went up immediately after that because of that. <laughs> and I uh, still love this microphone. I had to replace it. This is a newer one I got off of eBay because the other one, something, something detached in there, and it just did not go back in anymore. It was broken, basically. But, Gerald, I didn't realize you go back that far. So you go back to at least the Favre days, if not even 2008. Wow! You go back like to the really old days, like Tony Coleman. That is cool, man. And it does make you wonder how many people have been listening to this show that maybe they never joined the Facebook page, or maybe they're on it, but they don't say anything, or what, whatever it is. Or maybe they've been listening since 2011 or 2012 or whatever. I mean, even 2012 is years ago. That's amazing. In the video game uh, retro game community like the Atari 2600 Game Boy Game Podcast. They call Ferg like the granddaddy of them all. He started podcasting in 2013. <laughs> and I love Ferg and I love that show and I encourage anybody to listen to it. I listen to it every Monday when I do the lawns in, in the spring, summer, and fall. Every Monday it's a tradition. I love that show. 2013, granddaddy of them all. <laughs> How about 2008? January 2008. <laughs> and I'm not here to brag. It's not about bragging. It's just that, man, 
that's a long time. It's a, what I can't believe is the long time, the length of it. Like, wow, I can't believe that. It's so cool. You know, again, it's not bragging. I'm just, I, I think it's the coolest thing ever that's been that long. Um, Mark Carlson on Facebook says smoke and wreckage in Atlanta today. Lots of smoke, lots of wreckage as the peckers go down. Brent Jacobson, Mark Carlson is out of Iowa. Brent, and he's a legend, 2012 Gold Star winner of the year, 2012 Gold Star winner. Brent Jacobson has won multiple stars, silvers and bronzes for the year. He's done it multiple times. Obviously, Mark Carlson and Gerald String have multiple stars as well. But the Gold Star, though, that's like the Super Bowl, so to speak. You've got the Super Bowl trophy for the year. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> Dave Martin got it for 2015. Yep. Uh, Mark uh, Brent Jacobson says, The Green Bay Packers are winless under the Trump presidency. He indeed is truly making America great again. Yes, and he's making it safe again for the NFC North. Make it safe again. Make it free again. <laughs> make it safe. Make it free. It's coming back to you, Minnesota. It's coming back to you. Ah, the inauguration speech, right? I was, it was pretty good. I liked it. And um, I am very happy, actually. So, yeah. Um, uh, better. I don't know. Should I? <laughs> uh, oh, freedom of speech and all this with the whole protesting. You know what? You have the right to have your opinion. I, don't, I have a right to disagree. You don't have a right to vandalize, break things, beat people up, though. That's where it gets out of hand. That's where I disagree. And I don't necessarily buy that 99% of people out there are non-violent and non-vandalistic. I, I don't buy that either. I've been getting that from the other side, we'll say. And you know what? You have a right to be on the other side, 100%. I know some of you listening are on the other side. I mean, most of you probably aren't protesting and aren't doing all that. So, no, God bless you guys. Absolutely. But I don't know if I buy that 99% of the protesters aren't kind of out for look, looking for a little bit of a fight, at least a verbal war, I, and cursing people out, you know, because it does happen. And, you know, and it happens more often than it needs to. People all have their own stories. Each side has their own side, their own story. And I don't know. I mean, we're all guilty of something. We're all guilty of, dis- of getting in a, a heated disagreement with people. I apologize to some people that I've maybe disagreed with. I try not to get too harsh, though, about it. People that maybe they, I think they're going, they went a little too far and I call them out on it, stuff like that. But it is what it is. Right now, I just hope, I hope people are willing to give this current president a chance and God bless him going forward. I mean, he is the president right now and God bless him. I want him to make America great again. I do. <laughs> I really do. Um, I'm, yep. I mean, I'm, I'm very excited about a lot of what he's planning to do. Uh, nobody has to agree with everything he's going to do. Nobody is going to agree with everything anybody is going to do, regardless if they agree with the president, they voted for him or they didn't. Um, so it is what it is. Um, I'm not ashamed to say I voted for him. I don't want to be called out for voting for him, though, because it's just a vote. You know, we have a right to do that. So it is what it is. Um, please don't hate me for it. And I want to thank all of you that have been loyal to this show. And, you know, don't label me this and that for voting for him. Please don't do that. That's very wrong. I don't need to label you either for voting a different direction. You know, I, 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 it's just silly, silly. That, that's kind of my take on things. More importantly right now, I just want some freaking sunlight. This is ridiculous. Don't you guys want sunlight again? Let's make America sunny again. This, it, it, come on. You know, as, as uh, Morgan Freeman said in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, is there no sun in this cursed country? Remember that line at the beginning of the movie when uh, 
well, not the beginning, but near the beginning of the movie when Morgan Freeman and, uh, well, well, you know, his his character, why, why am I forgetting, Azim, I believe was his name, and Robin Hood, which is Kevin Costner, got to England because they escaped uh, Saudi Arabia, I believe it was, when they were prisoners there. He went to England, and of course, it's always like kind of like this, kind of Seattle-ish. <laughs> is there no sun in this cursed country? Yeah, that's where I got the line from. Maybe I shouldn't explain it for too long. But, uh, man, I'd like to see some sun again. <laughs> oh, man. Make America sunny again. Let's let's go. Let's get all nice and sunny like uh, Donald Trump's... Uh... <laughs> Donald Trump's head or hair, toupee, whatever you want to call it. Whatever you want to call it. His... his, his, uh, his uh... To the top of his head. Let's make it sunny again. Let's go. So with that, I want to thank all of you very much for your loyalty for those 600 episodes. I want to please, I want to, want to uh, reach out and <laughs> hope you keep your loyalty despite where I vote, despite how I think, because I'm going to stay loyal to you. You can disagree all you want. I'm not going to unfriend you on Facebook. I'm not going to ban you from the show. I love you guys. So I appreciate you very much for being a part of things. And I want to... Uh, please ask you to please tell your friends about the show. Please give Purple Mafia a positive rating on iTunes if you could. Hope you had a good uh, day off with MLK Day. Uh, all the respect to Martin Luther King and what he stood for. Thank you very much indeed for that as well. And, well, that's it. Uh, this is going to be it for me for two weeks. So two weeks from now, we'll be reviewing the Super Bowl. Uh, Mad Martin, more than welcome to call in, talk, uh, preview it, maybe even review it if you could, whatever it is. Talk about it a bit. Would be greatly appreciated. Conversate about things. Uh, love Mad Martin's mad takes. I'm sure everybody loves it. They, they got, I can tell that people really do enjoy it. So thank you very much, Dave Martin, Mad Martin out of Northern Scotland. God bless you guys. Take care, and we will be back very, very soon. Well, in two weeks anyway, to review the Super Bowl.